Welcome to the Gutsy Ladies podcast. I'm your host, Bella Reynolds, and I'm a life coach on a mission to support midlife women to live their next chapters with ease, with clarity, and with confidence, to become a gutsy lady. A gutsy lady doesn't fade or shy away, and she doesn't use midlife as an excuse to live a life less fulfilled. She thinks, if not now, when? Until now, the story of midlife hasn't supported this vision for our lives, and it's time to talk about it. In this podcast, I share insights from my personal experience, as well as thoughts and lessons from thousands of hours of coaching. If you want to live your best life and are ready to do the work, then you are in the right place. Let's get started. Well, 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 welcome to my series on fear. <laughs> calling it a fear series and the reason I've created it is there's about five maybe six fears that are most common when I start to work with women in this space and these are women midlife women who've decided they want a gutsier life than the one they're currently living and the thing that's been holding them back the thing that's kept them stuck are some fears and that's actually incredibly human which is the best bit about a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about. Um, I will tell you right now, I am a deeply flawed human. <laughs> Anyone who I have coached knows how I describe myself. And even just that alone, being able to recognize what you're frightened of and being able to articulate that with someone else and to to just even acknowledge your fears is one of the most potent um, activities that anyone can do if they are feeling stuck and they want to move forward. So this series, as I've said, is going to highlight each of those five or six. I haven't quite finished them yet, um, but it's the most commonly held fears that are holding my gutsy ladies back. And the fear today is a really, really common one in all stages of life. And the reason I think it's so incredible to have it in our midlife and to deal with it finally is this fear of what other people think. And, you know, I, I'm going to go through in this episode um, some things about the, you know, my three main reasons that I think that we actually have this fear. And like all of the things in our biology, it's here for a reason. So it's about befriending our biology and, and walking or sort of walking with our biology. But I'm also going to share a pretty spectacular example of one of my coaching clients, um, Trish, who, who was being paralyzed with this fear of what other people think. And she didn't recognize it until we started coaching. And the scary bit or the sad bit for her that she had to process is the people that she was most worried about was what her family thought of her as she was turning into a different gutsier woman in a midlife and another thing I'm going to um, share in this episode is um, how this fear can lead you to burnout and lastly three tips on how you can stop yourself actioning this fear if this is or actually doing the behavior that's triggered by this fear if you know it's you that's doing it and how you can stop it little by little by little because as you know that's the most sustainable way that I've found with clients for them to change. But why am I even doing the fear series? As I said in the earlier part, it's the most common, you know, these are the most common um, 
barriers that the gutsy ladies I work with are dealing with. But it's also I want to bring to the fore that to be gutsy and to have a gutsier midlife and beyond is got three key traits, okay? It's to have courage, determination, and um, spirit. And the really interesting thing about courage is that a lot of people, until they know better, think that courage is the absence of fear, and it's not. (laughs) Courage is the opposite. Courage is recognising fear and moving forward despite it, with it. And and that when you actually recognise that someone who's been courageous, it's not because they have ignored the fear. Some people have, but I'm not talking about this for the people that I'm working with. It's not about ignoring it, suppressing it, repressing it, and not respecting it. It's actually putting the fear in its place. It's acknowledging that this is the fear and proceeding with it and what's so cool when you start to you know be more courageous in life is that the fear stops being this big big ugly monster whatever fear it is and the more you move forward with the fears and despite the fears then these you know big big ugly monsters just get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and therein lies the confidence and it's just, you know, living a gutsy life is just a habit. But another reason that I am also really bringing this up is that it is very much um, a big part of living a more courageous and gutsier life in midlife is quite scary because the identity, like how people have seen you and who the person people think you are, can change quite dramatically from midlife on if you choose it to be. And so for women that I'm working with that have been a certain type of person, a certain style of woman, and it may be less gutsy a style as in, you know, a little bit shyer and a little less tim- a bit more timid and probably not owning and honouring her real spirit, then when this woman starts to break out of that identity and out of that shell, it's not just uncomfortable for her. It's incredibly uncomfortable for everyone around her. And so that's when it can, you know, become even more complicated. So it's I just think it's so important to start to acknowledge what these fears may be. And hopefully by you listening to this, it may help you to recognize some of your fears if you are holding yourself back. Okay. So as I said, the three, there's three main reasons that I'm fairly confident this is where this fear of um worrying what other people think or other people's acceptance. And, and, you know, it's. I just want to put it out there. It is actually important for us to be a little bit concerned about other people and what their opinions are. But the problem for us is when um, other people's opinions of us are more important than our opinions and our self-acceptance of ourselves. Why is it important that we do know what the social mores or social... um, uh acceptance elements are because we are living in a social world but the the one reason that the first reason I want to talk about is that as you know we started standing upright about 200,000 years ago and this brain um and the biology that we have is the same as back then and back you know you hear it 
um, talked a lot about about cavemen and and you know when we were living in that really really primal primitive existence we had to stay within our tribes and with our collectives so that we could stay safe there was much more safety in numbers and so our biology and our fear response and um, like a stress response has been um, wired for want of a better term has been created so that there are alarm bells ringing when we are not accepted into a tribe. And that is because we have tried to stay safe by being, you know, in these collectives. But the challenge for us is that our brain that is, you know, almost 200,000 years old in its engineering is now in today's society. And as someone I was um, reading wrote really well, we don't have the fear of, you know, fear of lack of living and you know dying from other animals these days we've probably got more chance of being killed by our own and our own species than um, from an animal and so it's really ironic that we've got this biological engineering that's keeping us safe to keep us with the other humans so just be aware that is a biological response for us to stay and conform with acceptance of others once again as I said it's not about removing that entirely. It's about putting it into perspective. So making sure that um, what you th- what other people think of you is not as important as what you think of yourself. That's the ultimate goal for myself and my clients. So number one, it's coming from our biology. Um, number two is it's really interesting also that a big fear around other people's acceptance, particularly a negative assessment of us, the studies have shown that that is linked to shame. Now, shame is a is a you know you know an amazing emotion that humans once again have developed and marinated in, and over the way that our society until recently had been um, designed and framed, it kept so many of us small. And, you know, shame is sort of that more toxic, horrible um, cocktail of just not being enough, not being enough, not being enough. And the big thing we know about shame now is the more that we don't own it and don't own that that's what's going on, the more it feeds off itself. And, you know, Brene Brown's work has been quite extraordinary with this. So I'm not going to delve deeply into it, but it's another part of our biology that we do do our best to um, veer away from people's negative assessments of us because we're frightened of shame. And this means not necessarily consciously we're doing this. So there's two key reasons that we, you know, other people's opinions of us have mattered or do can matter. But the third thing that is really, really evident the more you look into this, it's a habit. Deferring to other people and um, and working out what their opinion of us is um, rather than actually identifying what we really think about what we want to do, going and um, deferring to other people for acceptance is actually a habit. And when I think about the times in my life where I was probably doing it more than I'm certainly not doing it now, is definitely in those, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s when you're trying to fit in. And also I was, you know, so lucky to be a parent. 
the whole time that you're parenting, I know in my earlier years, you are just, you got L plates on and your confidence levels start to really drop. So you are asking other people for their opinions so that you can navigate these periods. Same as when you start working in a certain workplace or any workplace, you started to work in those workplaces and you were deferring to other people for acceptance about your role and how you fit it into the culture. I mean, we did it back at school, didn't we? So once again, using that technique as a habit to help keep us on path is fine, but it's when we tip the scales too far, when that habit has become an automatic habit, when, you know, my grinding midlife women say that really one of the things that's holding them back is I couldn't possibly go and do this in my next chapter because what will such and such think or what will my girlfriends think or when they really realize it's like, oh my God, but I don't have anyone else in the group around me doing anything like that. Like, great, we can work on that. So when I go back and think about this habit of where we start to really defer to other people, it comes back from our younger years, our 20s and our 30s and our 40s, and even our 50s, if you're in your 60s and 70s, it's it's one of the things that we start to do as we're navigating learning new experiences in life. So it could be in a workplace, it could be when you're first starting to parent, it could be even when you think about your school, when you're trying to fit in with other people around, you're deferring to other people for their opinion. And and that's important because that's helping you to navigate what is um, the next steps for you. But the challenge is when you get into this midlife space and I'm working with women who start to recognise that they want the most incredible Thing that is so different from anything. It may be um, that they want to go and live in another country or they want to totally change their career or they unfortunately may mind a decision they want to leave the partner they're currently with, but that doesn't happen often. But still, what I'm getting at is they've got a current life and they want to go and move into something entirely different. And so because they've got used to um, deferring to other people for their opinion, of course, it is so hard because one, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, if they're not doing or thinking the way you're thinking, they're going to keep you small. They are not going to agree with it. That's going to make you want to stay stuck. But also it gives you the understanding that you will actually need to go and find another whole tribe who's doing what you're doing or thinking about what you're doing or even thinking the way that you're now thinking. And, and so it just beca- can easily have become a habit. But as you know, if you know any of the work I do, changing habits is easy. But I shouldn't say easy. It's actually simple when you know how, when you know what your triggers are. So if we've actually got a habit loop going on where the trigger is, I keep deferring to other people about something I want to do and the behavior is, well, I'm getting a negative response, so I'm choosing not to do what I really want to do. I'm choosing not to honor who I really want to be. The reward is staying safe but it's actually an emotional habit loop because you find yourself feeling quite down and sad and stuck and you find yourself back up at the top, triggering yourself with other emotions. So the three things are that, you know, we're wired to be accepted by others, but it's up to us to determine how much we check in with others for what we really want. We're also fearful of other people's negative um, assessments because it absolutely leads down the path of shame. And that is an emotional cocktail that none of us want, um, unless we know how to get out of it, of course. 
And then the third thing, it can be simply a habit that we've um, um, accrued over decades. And so now we've got to this stage in midlife, our world is our oyster. Literally anything that you could possibly want is available to you. It may be on a different level to what you may be dreaming because, you know, some other circumstances, but certainly if you desire something, then it is worth you pursuing it until it's no longer a no-go based on what you want and your acceptance. And one of the other really interesting things about this, and I'm just going to share how this can lead to burnout. Um, I'm just going to share about a client, Trish, who um, she had been divorced from her husband some numbers of years well before I was um, coaching Trish. And she got into this beautiful midlife space and she had made a decision that she wanted to go and change the way that she was working. She wanted to go and work remotely. She wanted to go and do agency work. It would mean that she was going to be away from her children and her grandchildren, but it was this adventurous spirit that she wanted to start to honour. She'd not had the ability to do that in the previous decades because she'd definitely been so... um, tied down for want of a better term, she'd been very responsible as a parent and wanting to be involved in her kids and then her younger grandchildren's life. But the closer she got to her 60th birthday, this just became something that was not negotiable. But the really interesting thing for her about fear of what other people's opinions were was that when she was, what she started to recognise through the coaching process is when she started to share with her children what she was planning to do, they had a fairly negative spin on it. Um, You could look at it, the fact that, gee, grandma's going away and how hard would that be for them to manage that? That's probably a bit negative for me. But the challenge for Trish was that what she identified, she had got into a habit of placating um, her children's desires before her own. And I'm pretty confident there's women who are listening to this and know exactly what I'm talking about. And it is simply a habit. Thank goodness over the Gutsy Ladies program, she was able to first, as I said, recognise that this was a fear she had. Then she had to sit with that a while. And then she worked on a whole change of habit, which I'll share in my top three tips that she worked on. And it was the most beautiful message that came through on the Gutsy Ladies Become um, Uh, Facebook group the other day when she said, aha, I am finally the gutsy lady I wanted to be. And that is basically around the fact that she had chosen wholeheartedly despite her family's disagreement, really, I suppose, with what she was choosing to do. She had absolutely felt free to do what she wanted for herself on her terms. And yeah, you could just the glee in her voice and tone in the in the message was so strong and powerful. It was really cool. So as I said before, this can lead to burnout. How come it leads to burnout? Well, um, my spectacular example of it and some other episodes you'll have to go back to to listen to that. But with the essence of burnout for me is that when a human is living outside to in they will burn out and the opposite is to live from inside out what am I talking about 
we all have an inside landscape and an outside landscape. And so part of the inside landscape is, um, you know, basic opinions of ourselves, desires that we've got, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings. And it's also our um, intuition and it's it's all the parts that make us up human that are uniquely us. It's our inside landscape. It's it's the core essence of who we are. I think of it, it's about our spirit, but it's about us on the inside knowing ourselves. The outside landscape are humans and cultures and laws and rules and perceptions and um, everything else in the outside world that has an impact on us as a human. So when I talk about um, a problem with burnout is that I, for myself, burnt out because I was spending way too much time without knowing it, living outside to in. So I was more worried and more concerned and more judging my successes based on the outside parameters of life, the success um, uh, parameters of life, such as, you know, money and um, career and where I was sitting in there and probably expectations from other people. I was I was living more from that outside place and then coming inside. And I was never really checking, checking inside. I was only feeling sort of happy if I met the outside requirements. And long-term, that can only lead one way. Because when we spend our life trying to meet the expectations, approvals and opinions of external criteria, people and culture and standards, then (laughs) what we're actually living is a life of not enough. And that's just another whole episode. But what it is is we're not nourishing and fueling our inside lives and it's our inside landscape it's our desires it's the true essence of who we are it's um how we think like how we really want to think it's about you know um core beliefs of feeling enough of being able to check in with our intuition literally living from the inside means that you know who you are you're comfortable with who you are You accept that this is who you are and you are enough just as this person. And so you have practices that help you to be able to nurture those parts of yourself. And then you can go into the outside world to, you know, in your career, in your partnerships, in other pursuits, but you can always come back into this inside world and check. It becomes your your true north, your compass. And Unfortunately for me, I don't think we learn enough of how to navigate this inside world as we grow up. And certainly my generation, 55 years of age, this wasn't even discussed. And it wasn't discussed because our parents had never had it discussed or their parents. Gratefully, I'm watching children reared in this day and age and I'm seeing such differences with helping these humans now to navigate their inside world first and then taking that to the outside because that will actually help you, number one, to stop worrying and fearing what other people think because what will be more important to you is what you think of yourself first and then sort of checking in if you need to. 
but you're changing the weight on the scales. So that's leading me into what I say is three really simple tips on how to stop yourself living, um, you know, fearing of what other people think compared to what you think of yourself. As I said, it's important um, as, a, as a species for a human species that we do have a little measure of societal norms and the outside environment, but it's when it's weighted so heavily for the outside versus our own, what we think about ourselves. So number one is just remember <laughs> when you're worried what other people think, please remember they don't care. There have been numerous studies that show that we overestimate what other people think about us. And you know why? Because pretty much all of us are spending way too much time on the inside worrying about what other people think and, and worried about our own selves than what you are doing or what you are thinking of doing. So even a well-meaning friend, when they might say, oh, I don't really like what you're doing, at the end of the day, they're going to go home to their own world and get so involved in that. So look, number one, I think it's a quote that I love. It's what other people think of you is none of your business. And just add to the fact that they don't even really care. They are more wound up in themselves. Number two, this is a little bit uncomfortable, this one, and it's a beautiful experiment, is to stop judging others. In my experience, when I have had high levels of judgment on myself, I have definitely noticed when I took the time to reflect that I was pretty goddamn judgy of other people around me. Where did it start? It started within first and I had to clean that up for myself and then I noticed I was stopping judging other people. And if you grew up in a fairly judgy um, environment in you know familial or even workplaces in the industry you work in or what sort of work you do, then just be really aware of it. It is quite pervasive. So a little exercise that a fellow I was reading has suggested to do is to just pick one day in the next seven days and say for that day it is a no judgment day. That means you are not going to judge anything for the day, not just people. You're not going to judge the weather. You're not going to judge, oh, you know, isn't the weather crap? Or you're not going to judge the person that cut you off in the traffic and, you know, oh, my God, you bloody idiot, why have you done that? You're not going to judge that. You, are, you know, you would basically say, oh, that person must be having a bad day and just move on. Um, you're not going to judge even yourself about maybe even what you're wearing or how you're looking or you're going to have a day where you choose not to judge anything, anyone or any environment, anything. And the reason it's such a beautiful experiment is just notice how much in the day you are qualifying or judging. Just notice it. And as I said, if you stop judging other people, you will actually stop judging yourself. There's a bit of a mirror process here. So that's steps one and two. Remember, no one really cares. Number two, stop judging other people. Now, the third one, of course, is so obvious because it comes down to the habit. The habit of fearing what other people think 
comes down to the habit of asking other people what they think. So I'm not saying don't do this. What I'm saying is the next time that you notice that you're, you've got an idea, you've got a desire, you've got a plan, you've got a dream, you want to start um, branching out and doing something different and new and it might be in this beautiful midlife space, you've got some hours opening up and it's like, oh, I've always wanted to learn golf. If you notice when you come up with that desire that one of the first things you do is to, oh, I'll ring such and such and see what they think or I'll have a coffee with such and such and chew the fat with them or simply do what Trish has now made, one of her foundational core habits. Pause, reflect, and then respond. So putting this into practice. Trish had made the decision that she wanted to go and apply for some agency work, which would take her to the other side of Australia. Here's an example of her bringing in the pause, reflect and respond. In her early days, probably one of the first people Trish would sort of uh, talk to about this decision or choosing to do this would be her daughter. So what Trish chose to do was pause, think about that, is that really one? reflect on is that really what I want to do? How am I feeling about this decision? Am I happy with what that decision is? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Then respond. It may be that you still wanted, she, you know, in Trisha's case, still wanted to talk to her daughter about it, but she checked in with herself. She checked inside her inside world first before she sought outside, outside advice, outside thoughts and comments and opinions or not, or choosing to do nothing and just sit with that decision for yourself for a while. So this pause, reflect, respond habit is a really, really common habit as bringing in more mindfulness. And the reason it's so um, incredibly powerful is it gets us into our executive function in that part of our brain. So we, we literally get into the reflection process and actually determining the choice we want to do moving forward. And that's the thing. If it's a habit to defer to other people and for their opinions and that therefore we're frightened of what they may be thinking, then let's reverse it. Let's give you the choice as to whether you choose to share or ask for other people's. And more importantly, this is about becoming the sort of person. So this is your identity. And if we put it into the gutsy identity, this is that courageous identity of living inside first, determining your desires, determining what you want, having that fortitude to actually know what it is you want, setting out your plans, and then deciding whether you will go forth and share that. And, and that's a key piece here is when you'll choose rather than do you, you know, get other people's opinions um, or or more importantly, you will know that other people's opinions will be negative what you're doing. But as I said before, you move forward with courage. You You put that fear in the place it should be, which is beside you, not ahead of you blocking you. So there's a lovely quote I want to finish with from the Chinese philosopher um, Lao Tzu. And, you know, there's so many beautiful pearls of wisdom that have come from this man. 
who, by the way, was writing his stuff in 570 BC. So the human condition and the stuff that we're grappling with day in and day out, it ain't new. (laughs) The statement he made or the, the words he wrote was, if you care about people's approval and you will be their prisoner. And the sad piece for that to me is that they don't even know that you're a prisoner of theirs. And as I said before, they don't even care. So, again, this gentleman who I loved what his comment was about how to, um, uh, you know, really deal with this is he said, how about you flip that, that statement and go, if you choose in a gutsier world, this is how I'm looking at it, to disregard other people's opinions compared to your own, then the prison door will swing open. And when I think of that, you know, I I see that beautiful picture of a bird in a cage who's had the door swung open and open to this incredible world that is now available. Wow, how much gutsier could your life be if you chose to befriend this fear and move forward with it beside you because that's the thing about a gutsy life it's about facing that fear parking it where it needs to be and absolutely living what is absolutely possible for you thanks for listening to another episode of the gutsy ladies podcast are you ready to recharge your life are you slipping towards burnout or maybe you're already there, (laughs) make sure you grab my free guide called Heal from Burnout and Recharge Your Life for some really actionable tips that I learnt the hard way. Click on the link in the show notes of your podcast app. If you haven't already, I'd love you to subscribe and send this episode to a friend who just may need a little reminder that she's a gutsy lady too. See you next week.